Communications disruption can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 51 of Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Peter Viox, joined today by my good friend and co-host, Joshua Rowe. How's it going, man? <laughs> it's going great. It's Star Wars Day, and I almost finished that for you. Uh, the blank. Dude, it's been a day. It's cold, and it's uh, a little wet outside. We got our first snowfall yesterday. Was it yesterday yeah. or the day before? Whenever the hell it was. We got snow. <laughs> Ready for it to go. The oh, snow God. is still here, so it feels like it just came today. It's It's ridiculous. But yeah, it, like you always said, it's Wednesday. It is Wednesday. It's cold. It's Wednesday. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Yes, it is Wednesday. Happy Star Wars Day to you, buddy. Yeah, happy Star Wars Day to you and all of you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we don't have Eden with us today. Like we told you, she is participating in National Novel Writing Month. So she is diligently tapping away at the keys. Just like going that. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So we're looking forward to seeing what she is going to come up with. So if you guys want to shoot her some positive vibes through the force via Twitter, <laughs> you know how to go find her at Eden Jean Gray. And, and you know, everybody that's participating in NaNoWriMo will definitely appreciate that kind of boost. Because frankly, if you knew the word counts that they have to get through, what the end result is after daily writing for a whole month. You guys, yeah, go ask her. Go ask her. It's crazy. <laughs> so what kind of stuff have you been into lately, buddy? Well, uh, Disney Plus is out. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, and just um, yesterday. I've started watching or re-watching the uh, Mandalorian arc in The Clone Wars. Nice. You know what? So did I. That That's was really funny. Um, not through Disney Plus, though. I was watching it last week. Yeah, I'm not spending like $300 for those, so. Should have hopped on it when it's 59. I told you. I know. I didn't have it because we ended up buying other <laughs> shit. So. It happens. It happens. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good because, you know, we do have story for the Mandalorians predominantly when they were pacifists and yeah. how that didn't really work out too well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stuff about Death Watch. And it's really interesting. The voice of Pre Vizsla is now writing and created the damn Mandalorian show. It's funny how that it's came wild, full circle. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So, um, have you finished reading resistance reborn yet? I am. I, I'm like under 30 minutes left. Do you get the feeling? <laughs> and I just, this isn't going to be spoilery. I yeah. swear. This is just about feelings. Do you feel like the book could not possibly finish in 30 minutes? Yeah, that's how yeah. I felt <laughs> for like the last hour that I was listening to it. Um, how are you enjoying the I audio? The audio is neat. Yeah, it's uh, good, huh? Yeah, I've had to freaking pick that up because I really wanted to just read it, read it. Yeah. Which I'm still going to do that later because yeah. there's there's certain parts in there that 
audio is always up for interpretation of the narrator. So I want to be able to take it and read it myself. You know, there's just certain things that I like having the names. I like having things spelled out in front of me. So, there were some doozies in this, yes. as per usual. No. <laughs> Winsure. Yes. I oh, want to see it. How in the hell do you spell Winsure? Right off, I couldn't tell you. Take a guess, guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's Star Wars, and we love Star Wars. We're going to be talking about a lot of that today. We got some really cool stuff lined out for you. Um, I finished Resistance Reborn, and I love it. It was great. And I... And pleased to announce, although it's only a half announcement because we're not going to give the details because we're we're kind of just bags like that. Here's the thing: we're going to be talking and having a special release um, because we're basically going to be talking about the Mandalorian every single episode. Yeah. Uh, because, well, if you don't already know, it's it's freaking amazing. Um, but yeah, we want to talk about Resistance Reborn, and we're going to have a special guest on the show with us yes, for a special are. release. We're going to be recording that on November the 23rd. That's a Saturday. But if you have read the book and you want to join in that conversation, I want you guys to go ahead and send an email or a voicemail to Comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K at jamtransmissions.com. That's how you get on that Comlink chatter. Long-time listeners have known, and I noticed that we had a decent amount of additional downloads for our 50th episode last week. So if you're a new listener, this is how this works. <laughs> Whenever you send in something to Comlink at jamtransmissions.com, you get to be a part of... Comlink Chatter! And we got us a voicemail, Josh, and it's Woo-hoo! from a good buddy of ours. You all know him? As the Metal Mando on Twitter. Let's hear it from Jeff Keltz. Heavy Metal. That's a Monomarth, isn't it? Yep. Hell yeah, buddy. Raise your horns, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff always starts with a good Oh, stuff. dude, let it play. This is awesome. Pete, Josh, and the wonderful Eden, of course. Hey, a little late chiming in about your uh, 50th anniversary podcast uh hey but let's just say better late than never just wanted to congratulate you guys on everything you've done uh i've been there from the beginning uh maybe not the actual beginning i think maybe rick villanueva might have tipped me off maybe five or six episodes in to check you guys out and i did and hey been there ever since and uh went back and listened to your early ones and hey guys those those early ones were the best they really were, man. Like that was like that's what it's all about, man. Two guys sitting in the car, freezing their asses off, talking about Star Wars, man. Yeah. Can't get any better than that. But anyways, uh, like what you guys have done since then and will do. Looking forward to that. Loved everything you've done in the past. Uh, can't wait to hear your next fifty, next five hundred, hopefully. And uh, you know, uh, just uh, what you guys have uh, created here is uh, kind of a. Uh, 
like a very an outlet for me to like be myself as far as what I love about Star Wars and uh, maybe even a little heavy metal, you know, because I think you guys have that common with me. So Hell it's yeah, kind of fun too to kind of incorporate that, you know, a little bit here and there, as you might have heard. But uh, <laughs> you know, just the people, you know, associated with your podcast, you know, uh, Johnny Orm, uh, Rick Lanueva, Chris King. Uh, you know, rural farm boy. The list goes on and on, et cetera, et cetera, man. Just yeah. it's like we've created this small little family that you know, we <laughs> just get that? each other, right? And that, man, that's what it's all about. So, hey, can't wait to hear everything you guys do in the future, and can't wait to contribute. You know, my my things. But hey, I got one thing to say, man. Here it goes. Hell yeah. I'll cheers to that. <laughs> it's Miller time. <laughs> and that's been a while. Yes, I will raise my horns up into the air with a Stella tortoise. <laughs> Actually, guys, I do have a Stella tortoise in my hands as I speak. Because, hey, it's the holidays. And what better way to celebrate Jam Transmission's 50th podcast anniversary. So, hey, man. <laughs> As always, this is Jeff Kelts, a.k.a. the Metal Ant Twitter, and rock on, guys. Later. Hell yeah, man. Thanks. I <laughs> hope you got some horse doves to go with those <laughs> stellar <laughs> tortoises. Oh, that was, that was, that was a funny, funny episode. Yeah. Yeah, that was, from, that was from the Force Toast crossover with us. Gonk, Gonk Wars. Wars. Yeah. He's been with us. He's listening to every episode, man. That is yeah. so cool. Thank you so much, Jeff. See, I love little callbacks like that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's Thank awesome. You. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, man? I hadn't really thought about this, but when you said that this is kind of a safe space for him to just kind of be himself. Yeah. To let it loose, just to... That's awesome, man. That's exactly what we do and encourage with everybody. That's... Oh, yeah. This is the whole point. I'm glad he can do that. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. And and don't worry about the tardiness, but you better be there on time for 100. Oh, yeah. You know, this is uh, technically the road to 100 now. That's a lot of stuff I'm going to put together. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, nothing to it. Just week by week, the same thing we've done. Oh, I was talking about that artwork. Oh, I know. That's tiny little pictures. <laughs> <laughs> well, yesterday was Tuesday. Tuesday, November the 12th, which is the date we've all been counting down since this time last year. Yeah. Back <laughs> what back when it was like a rumor. Yes. We heard that there's going to be a Disney Plus streaming service. Yeah. What is the Netflix going to do? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so the contract. here we are, man. And yesterday we got to watch The Mandalorian for the first time. I have a funny story to tell you about this because I actually woke up. As I always do at four o'clock in the freaking morning. And I was like, I wonder if Disney Plus is there. Because everyone's there were all these lists like this will be available at 7 a.m. or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know what 7 a.m. is like because I'm working on the assembly line. Exactly. So I can't watch it then. But I was like, okay, hang on. Oh my God, there it is, Disney Plus. So I download it. Oh my God. I can watch all of the, I can watch Mandalorian. So I just yeah. turned it on real quick, right? And I saw the Lucasfilm and I turned it off and I thought to myself, <laughs> how mad would Eden be? Oh, terribly. Yeah. 
Exactly. So that's, I didn't even finish the sentence in my head. I just, I said, <laughs> oh, terribly like you. And then I thought to myself, I should go wake Eden up and we can go watch, <laughs> we could go watch Mandalorian together. Oh, I'm about to spit out my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't do that either because it was, well, it's four How o'clock. How mad would Eden be? She wouldn't be mad, but it, but it's four o'clock in the morning. Right. I mean, normal people got to sleep. <laughs> what is that like? I don't know. Anyways, um, so I'm sitting there and I'm just like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? I want to watch this. And then all of a sudden I was like, ooh, Darkwing Duck. Yes, let's <laughs> get dangerous. Darkwing Duck. Let's get dangerous. Dude, let me tell you. That's the first thing I watched on Disney Plus. <laughs> it was so funny. Everyone was like, "What's the first thing you're gonna watch, man?" Everyone was like, "Okay, it's gonna be Clone Wars," yeah. because right, obviously, right, they, yeah. the Blu-rays Nobody wants to pay that. Right, price. the Blu-rays were a hard thing to come by. There's Rebels, but I was like, "No, no, obviously Mandalorian." No, I was wrong. Darkwing Duck, obviously Darkwing Duck. Also added to my list, Chippendales Rescue, Rescue. Rangers. Yes, Ch- I Ch- love Chippendales <laughs> Rescue Rangers. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a fun part. You know, <laughs> what a time to be alive. We got to experience all that crap. Yet we still experienced the time that there was not a prequel series. There was all that uh reading everything, uh, the the games in the 90s. And now we're like in, like you said today, the golden era of Star Wars. Oh yeah. This is another gonk. I'm sorry. I'm I'm telling you. This let is it fucking out. awesome. Yeah, this, this is, is the it. best. This is it, man. It is legit a golden age of Star Wars. And we've said that before because we're like, oh, we've got all this animation coming out. Yeah. No, we got everything now. <laughs> Live action, animation. We've got, we're finishing the Clone Wars. We got a new movie tying up the Skywalker saga in a matter of weeks. Yeah. Weeks, Pete. I can't. Freaking man. weeks. We got the new damn video game coming out in like, Two days. Actually, yeah, we could go get tomorrow. in line tomorrow. <laughs> By the time this comes out, the game's out today, folks. Yes. You got it? Jedi Fallen you should have. Golden Age. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> this is just awesome. To really sit and like tally all this crap up is it's amazing. Yeah. Because I remember when we didn't have shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, there was nothing. And it's such a good time. For being a Star Wars podcaster too, like oh yeah, we've got all these amazing friends too, and and with all this this new stuff coming out, there are new opportunities to meet new people as well, right? And and I'm not just talking about you know people are coming up to me at work and stuff, right? And they're just like, hey man, I was watching. It's for everybody. Yeah, I was yeah. I was watching Monday Night Football and I saw the Mandalorian. That I saw the Mandalorian awesome. like. Um, on the seventh, in- like from the seventh inning to the ninth inning of of the World Series, yes. you know, and I'm just like, okay. That's awesome. And I'm not talking about that, guys. I'm talking about new people that we yes. got to meet. Yes. Now, we've actually got a really special treat because yesterday, the launch day of Disney Plus, we were able to talk with somebody from the set of The Mandalorian. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's kind of cool. That, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, whatever. <laughs> now, this was really, really this cool. This is awesome. This is a really cool conversation, guys. And this is uh, someone who has some real cool stories to share. And uh, will definitely be a positive force in the fandom, both through his roles on screen and with charity off yes. screen. And you want to tell people who we're talking about? Um, just a little guy, tiny, not real big at all. He's only six foot four, <laughs> two hundred and sixty pounds, weighing in. 
He is Dominic Pace, and he's going to be a bounty hunter. Yeah. In The Mandalorian. And you look close enough, and I'll throw up a, a little picture that he allowed me to share. He's in episode one, kind of lurking in the background. And this character design kicks ass. Yeah. I mean, it is awesome. Awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, totally agree. So we're going to queue up that conversation that we had last night. And it was actually right before I got to watch chapter one or episode one, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, this is cool, guys. So technically, spoiler free. Enjoy this. He's going to be talking about um, what it was like and all of the things that are going to be coming forward. So here it is. Dominic Pace. All right. Well, we've got a real special treat for you guys today. We're going to talk to somebody who knows that bounty hunting is a very complicated profession. Don't you think? (laughs) Please allow me to introduce Dominic Pace. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. And hello to all your listeners. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you uh, are going to be, or rather you have been on The Mandalorian. What can you tell us about some of your experiences from that, my friend? Oh, man. Well, I, I tell you, I'm 44 years old, so I'm a Gen Xer. I've been a, a fan before I learned how to spell. My mother my mother used to have this magnetic uh, alphabet board, and the first things that I used to spell were, were like the words like Jawa and Walrus Man and, and uh, <laughs> Hammerhead. So it goes back that far. I've been a character actor for over 25 years. I have almost 100 credits on um, a major uh, television and film uh, principal roles. Uh, but for me, this is in a category in and of itself. Uh, just being a lifelong Star Wars fan, I'm sure every Star Wars fan can relate just to be able to have that opportunity to be within the universe and not only to be within the universe, to be a one of a kind, unique uh, bounty hunter, to be featured uh, as that is just uh, beyond words right now. And just been shaking the last week because uh, we got a little bit of uh, coverage there uh, last night in the first episode. We've got a little bit coming up, but I just am um, praying for just some of these uh, better screenshots, which I think are going to come in some of the later episodes. So uh, just beyond words, it's, uh, you know, my, my son, we own this. It's the cheesiest, nerdiest thing you can imagine. It's a Millennium Falcon pancake maker. I don't know if you ever seen one of these things. <laughs> yes. But he, he, asked, he asked my my wife and I if, if he can uh, have a Millennium Falcon pancake this morning. He's so excited. He's like he's getting ready for Christmas. So uh, it's been a really special time in the Pace family household. And uh, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful to all the fans all around the world who have been so supportive for just this little featured bounty hunter there. That is so cool. Yeah. So how did you find out that you were going to be doing uh, a Star Wars project? Like this is uh, absolutely a dream come true. Without question. I wish I could have put every fan in my shoes because what it was, I'm a blue collar actor. I'm originally from New York, but I take any job that it takes in order to keep it going. I, I've, I've been right. so fortunate. I was just guest starring on 911 last night on Fox. I have a very extensive resume, but at the same time, I've, I've maybe had a couple of recurring roles in my career. So in between that, you have to fill in the blanks and you have to take every job that you can. You have to get your hands dirty. So sometimes these agencies, they get a little hoity-toity, you know, kind of above it all, where they're like, ah, well, you look, listen, you know, once you take a guest star, don't go below that. You don't want to take a co-star. You don't want to take this odd job or that job. So for me, it turned into just being a makeup test, a simple makeup test, but it happened to be for one of the number one makeup prosthetic companies in Hollywood called Legacy Effects. They work with Marvel. They work with Disney. They work with uh, Star Wars. And, and uh, I mean, just you name it. For the last 20 plus years, they've been the top of the line in terms of prosthetic makeup. Well, anyhow, I had some previous experience. I photo doubled and I stood in for Frankenstein on Van Helsing opposite Hugh Jackman in 2002 for three months. I was oh, also cool. one of the orcs on Fright 
Now, this, believe it or not, uh, wow. you know, the gentleman and, and, you know, ladies and gentlemen who served in the military, I mean, sometimes, you know, certain jobs, certain occupations, you have to be able to deal with claustrophobia. Some people, they can't handle it. So, <laughs> believe it or not, you will get ruled out right away, you know, whether it's military or whether it's, you know, something like this. I mean, I remember uh, Jim Carrey, when he was doing The Grinch, he hired a Navy SEAL just to teach him how to stay calm because some people, they just mentally cannot stay put in a chair for six hours when they're working on you because, you, you know, you can't go anywhere. Well, anyhow, yeah. the gentleman that was working on me, his name was Brian Seip. He did Drax uh, for all of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I didn't know this. And he was just the greatest guy ever. There was no talk of any job promise. There was no talk of any project. We were just sharing our love for science fiction. And, and I just politely gave him my card afterwards, like I always do. Um, and just, you know, I never had any shame in terms of saying, hey, if there's an extra, you know, opportunity, whatever trade you're in, it, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And I get a phone call two weeks later for a project called Huckleberry. Well, I thought for anything, you know, because they were saying that it had to deal with prosthetics. I thought it was just going to be another spinoff of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I worked on as a Cree uh, in one of the seasons. So I just figured it was just that. I was going down to Manhattan Beach Studios. All the doors were closed. It was probably one of the strangest feelings I ever had on set because doors <laughs> were closed. There were code names for everything. It just was like I felt like I was going into the FBI office or something like that. <laughs> to where it was just, everything was very, very top secret. There was a wardrobe uh, office, and I get, uh, you know, invited in by a name uh, by a gentleman by the name of uh, Richard A. Pora, who's one of the top costume designers for sci-fi. He does the Orville. He's done some previous Star Wars projects. Any Star Wars fan at that point would have been able to locate the, uh, the the designs and the styles on the wall. That's when the heart started pounding a little bit. But then I get invited <laughs> into another room. And I, it has my name on a rack with three different wardrobe options. It says Dominic Pace, Bounty Hunter. And oh, I tell you, oh, wow. that's when all of a sudden, and you know, it's still, it's just, we were holding our breath with the whole process because there were a lot of things at that point. Once I knew what it was, they had two other outfits, two out of the three outfits actually was had me in a mask. But Brian uh, requested that I, I was given the most extensive makeup which hopefully will make for an amazing action figure over the next year or two. You know, it may not be the third or the fourth wave, but it might be, you know, a wave down the line for season one of The Mandalorian. Um, and I, can't, I just can't tell you how excited I was. It, it proceeded from there to where it was everything from day one to where George Lucas was on set. And again, I mean, it felt like I was in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory for any Star Wars fan. Um, and then the other thing, too, which just made it amazing was Ewan McGregor and Samuel Jackson always tell the story to where they were presented with a suitcase full of lightsabers. Well, I was presented with about 20 to 30 blasters uh, to choose from as my bounty hunter blaster. They allowed me to select. So uh, little things like that. I just wish every Star Wars fan could have gone in my shoes and had the same opportunity to be able to select your own blaster within the universe. And that was really special for me. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you were talking about how like that could be a really cool looking action figure, and I've got the picture actually pulled up here right now. But you were talking about how the first words that you were writing with the letters were Jawa, but like also Hammerhead and Walrus Man. These were the the characters we learned about as action figures and stuff. Like this would be absolutely incredible, and there's no reason why like this wouldn't happen in the future. Is there anything you can tell us? about this bounty hunter character do you have a can you give us a name or a backstory or a species the only thing i could say because i can't give away any storyline is yeah it's definitely a one-of-a-kind species that's for sure uh it was designed brian he was when he was doing guardians of the galaxy that took place filming uh in your neck of the woods around georgia and atlanta 
and he also mm-hmm. did a Greenpeace project down there. I posted on my Twitter just recently, as well as my Facebook publicly, uh, there was a picture that he did, uh, there was a design of a woman, she must have been about 100 pounds, and she was styled in the, in the style of a gecko. Um, so she had these humps on her head, and she had this specific sort of paint pattern on her face and also through her hands. I had black gloves on, so he did not play out the orange color through my hands. But basically, this character that he created was called Gecko. And uh, long story short, that was his inspiration for me. It took about two hours to get into that makeup each day. But I was just in my glory. It took an hour to get out of, believe it or not. It wasn't something <laughs> where you could just jump in the shower and rip off the, the skull cap. You'd, you'd rip off half your skull if you did that. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, it was just an amazing experience. A one-of-a-kind bounty hunter character. The only thing I could say is there's a certain situation coming up where in terms of the definition of this character, it's definitely not a protagonist bounty hunter in any way, shape, or form where there is little to no sympathy, uh, completely unapologetic, almost like Javier Bardem in uh, No Country for Old Men. Uh, nice. will basically oh, wow. do whatever it takes, and doesn't matter if it's a woman, if it's a child, whatever it is, in order to get what he wants. To me, that was what I created and fleshed out amongst the character. I'm also six foot four, 260 pounds. And when they, uh, Richard A. Pora gave me that face mask, there was something very Jason-esque about it. Kane Hodder played Jason uh, for Friday the 13th, 7th through 10. And there's sort of, sort of this unapologetic, um, you know, almost uh, foreboding, uh, uh, very intimidating uh, 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 aspect about his character, of course. And that's kind of what I played uh, through my situations. Uh, so again, we were uh, briefly featured there in the first episode, sort of lurking throughout the cantina, but also uh, we've got a little bit of exciting stuff coming up and uh, excited for everybody to see it there uh, over the next few weeks. Dude, I think he looks amazing. Like this is, this is something I feel like I could draw. Like this is, uh, this is almost demonic looking. It looks so awesome. Yeah. You know, during Rogue One, they had came out with that. One of my favorite figures there is uh, the Death Trooper. And the reason I like the Death yeah. Trooper so much is because the Death Troopers are tall. You know, and the one thing for me is I know Dengar and Bosk and, and you know, uh, Zookus and Forlom, they all seem to be, and even Boba Fett, with the exception of IG-88, seem to be very average height. So to have a tall bounty hunter as an action figure, uh, again, you know, this is all up to Disney because, again, you're dealing with a series and you're also dealing with just a featured character. But for me... I, I've been joking around, but I'm, I'm actually pretty, pretty serious in saying that it would be, it mean more to me than an Academy Award just because the entire reason I got involved in this industry was because the movies that, that us Jet Xers grew up as kids, uh, up with as kids, we grew up with uh, Goonies and E.T. Uh, and, and uh, Indiana Jones and Back to the Future and Star Wars. The fantasy-like uh, films was what drove me to want to become an actor, to base, basically help other people escape, no matter where, what walk of life you were from. Uh, just to be ent- an entertainer for you. Uh, so for me to have an action figure, that to me, to give that to my children and to be able to have that for my career would just be uh, priceless. So hopefully within the next year, we'll get that dream. Oh, it'd be amazing, dude. I hope you get it too. I would definitely collect this one. This is so cool looking. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, br- again, all the credit to Brian Sipe Makeup from Legacy Effects and Richard A. Pora, who just does an amazing job. It's as if this man, he just has such an amazing aura about him. If you were to meet him, it's almost as if he traveled to outer space and came back. Uh, he just has this amazing aura about him to where he just has, he just knows, you know, the feel of, of sort of uh, otherworldly or futuristic, uh, so to speak. So did you get to uh, wear this in front of uh, 
Dave Filoni and John Favreau, like as like the final, like we we actually like this costume the best, or was it was it the guy that you were mentioning before that got the final call on the costume? Uh, it's so funny you mentioned that because there's a very funny story about that. Uh, I went in for a screen test. That was when I the, that was my day one to where they first put me in the wardrobe. Then I went back down to the makeup trailer, and then we were presented in front of Filoni, Favreau, and another amazing director who, by the way, has now the helm of uh, the Kenobi series. Her name is Deborah Chow. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah. he wanted to have the gecko-like prosthetic. Well, the gecko-like prosthetic actually had, um, it had uh, horns on it. So, uh, no, I'm sorry, not horns, but bumps. <laughs> and I don't know if you ever saw the movie Little Nicky with, with Kevin yeah. Nealon. <laughs> he's, got, he's got boobs on his head. So you're going to love this story. So basically, there's other bounty hunters as well. It's almost like a bounty hunter guild, so to speak. And we're doing this screen test, and each one of us got to step up behind kind of this moisture farm set of some sort. And they've got this major, you know, probably million-dollar camera that's, you know, on us. And they're doing screen tests for themselves as well as for Disney. Well, they give me this, you know, I, I have this blue uh, um, robe, you know, and I have a hood to it. And they have me, like uh, Luke in Return of the Jedi, reveal myself. So I'm revealing myself as I turn around. They're giving me a very simple direction, you know, kind of, Staying in character, looking to the left, looking to the right, looking up into the sky. There's a, you know, there's a ship coming, you know, and kind of staying in, and keeping that sort of intensity within the character. So anyhow, I take the hood off, right? And you got the two boobs on my head here, right? And I got the other bounty hunters. They're looking at me, and like I hear like a little snicker, you know. So I said, <laughs> "Hold on one sec." All right. So I do the screen test, and I go over to Brian. Brian was there, and I said, "Brian, I said, look, this is not my choice at all." I said, "But look, I said, I this character can be absolutely badass. I'm six foot four. 260 pounds. I said, if there's any way, I don't care what you do to it. I said, if there's any way you can maybe mold these humps uh, by Monday, you know, which is going to be the first day from shooting. Anyhow, long story short, he ended up doing it. It's four horns. It looks amazing. Uh, combined with the face mask, combined with the bandolier, and these, I got these forearm guards. And this ama- the, the blaster, by the way, the one I picked out, I think any man would do this, is I picked out the biggest one. It, it had a paintball canister in the back. It was a semi-automatic with a curved dagger down by the mag for hand-to-hand combat. Um, so I, I just fell in love with awesome. it. And uh, the rest is history. Like I said, hopefully in the next few episodes, we will be immortalized even more. We were a little, little out of focus last night, but at least if anything, I mean, I, I can, you know, uh, be content with the fact that at least we're, we're officially immortalized in the Star Wars universe there. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually haven't gotten to watch it yet. As oh, soon as yeah. we, as soon as we get off of uh, this call, I'm going to go play it right away. I've been looking forward to this all day. So. Yeah, I, I hear, you know, it's so funny. It's, it's a really tense <laughs> couple of weeks for me. I want to wait until the third episode is done just so I can exhale. Because for me, I don't want, I've just been so jittery, obviously. And I think every Star Wars fan would be able to relate in terms of wanting to, you know, get yourself officially immortalized within the universe. So I'm going to wait until after the third episode. And then I'm going to go back and watch it with the boys and, and uh, really just genuinely enjoy it. But right now, the next 10 days, a little, just a little tense for me. And I, I'm sure every Star Wars fan can understand. Yeah. So as a big Star Wars fan yourself, I know you're no doubt looking forward to this. And how about Rise of Skywalker? Are you looking forward to that, too? Oh, without question. I think J.J. will do a great job. My only hope, people are asking me, you know, what are you hoping for? I just don't want to see, I don't know if you, you, you gentlemen recall, uh, an old 80s, film, 80s TV show called Dallas, to where the ending, uh, I don't know if you, you remember yep. that show, but, but it was just really far-fetched. And it was just like, whoa, 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 wait a second. What do you, wait, what did you say? Did you say this is a dream? And this is what well, I just want to see it wrapped in a beautiful bow and go back to what the, the reason Star Wars has been so special for us is the mythology. It's about family. 
It's about the, the difference between good and evil. And I just hope it just has that perfect bow in terms of just the, the simplistic ideology of just believing in yourself between the light and the darkness, which we all battle with in one uh, subliminal way or, or another. And hopefully they'll be able to just tie it up in that way. And I think, J.J., you know, for two and a half hours, I'm sure they'll do an amazing job with that. I just don't want to see, you know, that Luke was raised, you know, cousins, uncles, sisters, aunt uh, from Darth Vader, whose brother was, you know, that kind of thing for me is really going to turn, turn me off. But, but I'm hopeful that, that J.J., I think, is going to make everything special. I'm just, I'm just curious in terms of where they're going with Ray's parents there. Yeah, no doubt. And honestly, yeah, me too. Like, yeah, it, it couldn't be in better hands, I don't think, as well, for sure. I agree. I agree. So obviously, you've got new acting jobs on the horizon, for sure. But have you uh, given any consideration to doing the con circuit and going and meeting the people face to face and doing the autographs and such? Oh, oh without question. I'm, I'm five steps ahead of you. And, and I'm just so grateful. I've had about four agents approach me. I had Billy D. Williams people approach me today. Uh, the only guarantee oh, cool. that I, I want to have, though, is just not to be exclusive. Because for me, especially with a side character, I, I'm not going to be a headlining draw. I want to be able to just pull from offers all over the world. And some of them aren't too too keen on that. They want to be able to have you exclusive. But for me, uh, I want to be able to take every opportunity. So with that being said, we're already booked in London uh, November 30th. Uh, we are booked in Pensacola, Florida, and that will be in February. And then my first American one will be January 19th in Stockton, California. So uh, completely on board with that. And also at the same time, not only so much for the opportunity in regards to the conventions and, you know, and selling some of the merchandise and stuff, I want to really get involved with the 501st. Uh, and when oh, the yeah. 501st is not present, <laughs> uh, the 501st Legion, I want to get involved just with local charities. If I can donate an autograph or two, or if I can visit a children's hospital or go visit a child where, you know, perhaps it's their birthday or, or somebody that might be a senior citizen or, or whatever, just in terms of doing good, with this opportunity for me at 44 years old, I mean, I can get another hundred credits and I'm, I'll be excited. Don't get me wrong. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, to leave that legacy behind for my children would be a great honor. But for me, I just feel like after 40 now, it, it pleases me more to help others. And you, we understand how beautiful star Wars is and how much it means to so many people. And if I'm able to touch people's lives in a positive way, um, through this touring and to have, you know, I told my agents, no matter what, to have me fly in a little early and to leave a little later, uh, that way, if in case there's some kind of a luncheon or some kind of a charity event I can attend, uh, I would be honored. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, we, we have we have listeners in all of those areas as well. So we're going to be putting those yeah. dates in in the uh, the show notes for this episode. So be sure to hit that up and go meet Dominic. Now, you were mentioning the uh, 501st Legion. And I remember uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni talking about actually getting some of the members of the 501st um, to actually play the Stormtrooper parts in uh, certain things. Did you get to meet any of those or see any? Anything that they were doing in, in that vein? I did not. I did hear of the story. However, I did go out of my way. Uh, the Southern California Garrison, uh, they were having a disco ball, a 501st disco ball at the San Diego Comic-Con last year. I had an autographed uh, toy lightsaber from Daisy Ridley uh, oh. that I acquired from an auction house, and uh, I forwarded <laughs> it to them. They were able to earn over $1,000 for their cause that evening uh, just through the raffle for that lightsaber. Um, but I, I greatly look forward to working with the 501st. The story behind that, from what I understand with Filoni, was that they were short on Stormtrooper gear. So what an honor <laughs> for all these 501st members to be able to use their gear, which will now be priceless and iconic within the universe, uh, but also at the same time to have the same gift as I did in terms of being in our, our beloved franchise there. Excellent. Right. So my only question would be like, how, um, 
on hand was uh, Dave Filoni in that first episode. And like, what was your uh, what's your take on him? Like, is he just like this all knowing yeah. Star Wars guru? Yeah. Or yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, it it showed a tremendous amount of leadership from both Favreau and Filoni because you know you have these old '80s and '90s sets. You hear all these legendary stories of say James Cameron or Michael Bay to where they're screaming and shouting and everybody's running around and there's panic and you can feel the tension. I cannot tell you how chill uh, both of them are, but at the same time, ridiculously professional, keeping everything on track. But not only that, you know, when you have leaders, I, I would say, you know, you equate it to the military, you equate it to the football team, you know, say, you know, uh, maybe Alabama or, you know, Kentucky, whatever, their head coach to where even when I was, I've been on set, I had the honor of being on set with Denzel Washington a couple of times and you can hear a pin drop. And the reason you can hear a pin drop is because there's an overall level of respect for the leaders on that set. And that's how you felt when you were with Favreau and Filoni and that they're just, their demeanor was so pleasant. And, but at the same time they were giving direction, but there was never any feeling of, uh, of something being awry or something being wrong. It was just a pleasant overall experience, a professional experience where everyone was there. They knew they were part of something special, uh, but it was none of these old legendary stories of hearing, you know, directors yell and scream or, or boss people around. It's just, they knew who they were hiring from, you know, the, the featured, you know, uh, bounty hunters to to the to the cast to the crew the first ad and the second ad that everything just ran like a very tightly run ship uh, that that would be the best way i could explain it but it, for Favreau and filoni awesome. he's one of the, they just have the overall uh um aura of just where you, you want to just grab a beer with them they just seem very cool and obviously uh, they have their fingers on the on the uh the franchise very much in terms of being fans themselves i'm glad that was a good experience then i don't think yeah. uh, disney or could have picked anybody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think they put it in really good hands. And again, what a special treat to see Lucas there within his own element. I keep telling everybody, you know, I keep, you probably count on one hand the people that have that level budget about their own <laughs> idea, idea uh, and to play that out, like J.K. Rowling, uh, say maybe Spielberg, perhaps, you know, Walt Disney when he was alive, and then George Lucas to actually, you know, have that level of a budget about your mind, about your creation. I thought that was really special because I was overhearing him speak about the uh, the details of the Mandalorian universe with Favreau, and I thought that was really amazing uh, to watch God Himself talk about His own project. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I just I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah, <laughs> that's the other thing too. People ask, you know, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, you know, when you're working, it's not a fan meeting greet or any of that. I mean, you're there to work, but again, just to be uh, around the um, the presence of everybody was just an honor in and of itself, and to be surrounded around Star Wars characters. You know, of course, they've got uh, Galaxy's Edge, and you have these you know, 3D movies and such, but really to be immersed in it was really quite special. That experience in and of itself, no matter what happens after these couple episodes, I'm very confident with these screenshots, but no matter what happens, just that experience for two weeks, uh, something I hope every Star Wars fan uh, gets a chance to experience in one way or another uh, moving forward. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today, Dominic, and it's going to be a lot of fun uh, seeing what you do in the future with your charity work. And hopefully we see you in a comic convention. I'm going to go ahead and throw Lexington Comic Con out there. Uh, We'll definitely (laughs) love to talk to you again. And uh, you know what? I hope uh, you enjoyed chatting with us for a little bit. And we're going to be giving all those uh, cons that you're going to be at to all of our listeners, making sure that they can come and visit you as well. Do you have any final thoughts before we uh, send you off? Uh, well, no, just a shout out to Lexington. If you know anybody over there, please have them uh, reach my people at Celebworks. I'd love to meet all you guys and also to be able to contribute uh, to some of your local causes there, perhaps with an autograph or two. That would be my honor. 
Absolutely. And also Josh oh. is uh Josh is uh, quite the artist if if I do say so. Uh, I'm sure you probably are itching to do some uh character art of this character, huh? Oh, man. oh well, damn, I, yes. Yeah, Josh, that would be amazing. I would be honored and uh you know, just hang tight maybe for perhaps for a couple episodes cuz the next thing I'm looking for is someone per- to perhaps create this uh situation that occurs in a few episodes that I'm featured in. Uh I, w- I would love to see an artist uh um uh, be able to portray that in their own in their own uh, hand there. So, um, yeah, absolutely stand by, but anyone who, uh, wants to take a crack at, uh, my, I call him Gecko, the bounty hunter, uh, by all means, it would be an honor and I'd be happy to tag me, uh, because it's, it's just been amazing to watch, uh, the fan appreciation. I'm just overwhelmed by it and very grateful. Awesome. Oh, it's a big honor for you to, for us, for you to be on here. This is, I can't say thanks enough. Thanks a lot, Dominic. And hopefully, uh, we can get in touch again in the future as, as, uh, as we see oh, your yeah. future Brighton. Yeah. Without question, I appreciate all the fan support. Again, the side character wouldn't be possible in terms of the popularity uh, without all the listeners and without all, all you amazing gentlemen and ladies. Uh, it really means the world to me. So thank you so much for all your support. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dominic. May the force be with you, buddy. Absolutely, gentlemen. Have a great evening and uh, goodbye to all your listeners. Hope to see them soon. That was a real cool conversation with a real stand-up dude. Yeah. Like Dominic, Dominic is really cool. And thank you so much for that, Dominic. And I wanted to uh, say again, everything that he said that he was going to be doing here in the very near future, as far as uh, conventions are going. Um, And also everybody that listens to us, our friends are nearby all of these spots. So definitely Uh consider this. So November the 30th, this month, he's going to be in London. He's going to be in Pensacola, Florida in February. In, on January the 19th, he's going to be in Stockton, California. So uh, you guys need to get in contact with him at Dominic P. Pace on Twitter. And if any of you guys want to see him at any of the other shows, the uh, the company that you need to get in contact with is called Celeb Works. C-E-L-E-B-W-O-R-X. Yep. And I'm going to try and get him in here to uh, Lexington Comic Con. Oh, dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Especially even get in there and share a beer or something like it. Exactly. Because he is such a cool dude. Yeah. He's super laid back and you can tell he loves his craft. And that's that to me, you don't see a lot of people that do that. And he's a fan. You big time. Yeah. Big time since like day one. Right. Right. I tell you what, after the movie comes out, we got to get him back on. I want to see what he thinks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it's so close. Weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Just weeks. Well, before we start talking about Rise of Skywalker again, because I could <laughs> I could start throwing out things all day long. Here's the thing that we're going to do. We're going to talk about chapter one of The Mandalorian. Hang on. I just want to say something. Let's hear it. She's wearing a mask because she shouldn't have done that. Now she's ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, Chris. <laughs> Oh my goodness! And you're talking about Zori Bliss, yes. right? Because because that's clearly Ray's mother, and and she wears a mask because she's ashamed. Yeah, because she left her child in Jakku with Uncle Plart. So Uncle Plot. Yeah, Plart, 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 Plart. Well, I tell you what, man. This kind of calls for a new segment. <gasps> Ooh. So I'm actually really excited for this, guys. What with all the new era of enjoying Star Wars. Please allow me to introduce the new segment for Jam Transmissions. The suspense. Ah, 
What do you think, Josh? <laughs> does it do it ha- again. Does it have your approval? <laughs> Hit it again. Okay, we are a unofficial Kentucky Proud podcast, if you couldn't tell from the last 50 episodes. And what what better way <laughs> than, to, turtle man. <laughs> than, to, than to include Turtle Man? He's basically a Kentucky superhero. Oh, yeah. And if y'all don't know who Turtle Man is... He beats living crap. Oh, he doesn't beat them. Like, he catches... Anything, he catches all critters. Anything. The biggest damn Most. snapping turtles you've ever seen. And he just hops in there. He don't care. He don't with care. his call of the wild man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. Yes. One more time. Here we go. The new Jam Transmissions segment. Live action. I love it. Are you going to be able to make it through no. laughing in the future? <laughs> no, I don't know. It, <laughs> maybe by the Obi-Wan series, I should be, I should be have this in control. I, I think it'd be all right. God almighty, that's awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. We love Turtle Man. Yeah. Dude, he, he sounded like he's getting his butt kicked in that thing there for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he sounded like, remember like the, the uh, reaction to the trailer that I had, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're yes, getting him. Yes, like, and then Turtle yes. Man's sitting there like, yeah, 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 woo. <laughs> woo. <laughs> Anyways. I love it. So, guys, Mandalorian, Josh. Pete. Before we get into this, dude, I would like to kind of go down, like, like go through it in order of what happened, just because it was kind of, it was kind of amazing. Oh, yeah. It, it really just built up. There was not a slow part in this thing. No. I mean, there was, but there wasn't. Like, something was happening all the time. Yeah, there was suspense, which requires... Did he have, like, ten lines in this thing at all? I felt like he had (laughs) way more lines than I thought he would. Yeah. But before we start, like, just breaking everything down, because I have thoughts, I want your general thoughts. Like, what what is your favorite? Like, what do you love about this? Like, what's your favorite part, man? It is, uh... It reminds me of one, just episode four, and just that mystery in the cantina, and kind of like the great. You will know, you'll find no larger or whatever's uh, hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. Like this is what we're getting. And this, uh, I grew up with my papa. Um, let me watch all the Eastwood films and, and like all the westerns on top of it, but the Eastwood ones really stuck with me. Um, like Fistful of Dollars series and um, High Plains Drifter, those, yeah, I loved them. This is exactly what I'm getting from it. Yeah, you're getting a the man of very little words. Yeah, the man with no name. Yes, the man with no face. I love it. Yeah, I love it. This so, is just it's kind of like a childhood dream yes, come true. Is what yes, you're saying. it takes me back, and, and it's Star Wars, and it's brand new. <laughs> I gotta say, man, the thing that just knocked me out of my freaking socks was the music. Yeah. What did you think of the music? I was I was pleasantly surprised with uh, how the like how the composition and stuff kind of flowed through, and it was extremely simplistic, yeah. but it was new, but it was old. Dude, you know, it's, I, freaking, it's so hard to explain. It's bizarre. Yes. Yeah. It's not. It is extremely. Uh, it's ex- it's exclusively Star Wars. Like you you know what you're getting when you hear it, but it's so different. 
than what we've heard before. This is yeah. just something incredible. Yeah, I actually remember hearing Dave Filoni. Um, I, it may have been a week or two ago. He was talking about the score and how what Lud- Ludwig Göransson brought to the table, like what he brought to the table, was the sort of stuff that George Lucas had talked about he would want to see in Star Wars in the future. Yeah utilizing contemporary music and stuff like that. And that that is definitely happening here. You've got um, instruments, like honestly, some of the instruments I couldn't even like, like I've been trying to dissect this, like what exactly is going on here as a, as a person who makes music as well. Like some of it's blatantly obvious, but some of it is just so bold, especially when paired with a full orchestra. Yeah. Like it's, it's incredible. It, It almost, kind of melds with the rest of it it's yeah. it's bizarre utilizing it's, like a little recorder in in woodwinds yes. like the first time i heard it i was like now hold on i can tell there's a filter effect going on here a little bit of pitch shifting but then like i was like is that is that like a freaking cello yeah and it's made to sound like a woodwind no it's a woodwind that has the filter warping the sound of it man it's, it's what it's it, you know what it sounded like to me and i think this was the intent it sounded like an alien instrument yeah <laughs> like something that's yes, not on this earth. It's extreme. It's Star Wars. Yeah. Like it is, it's just that signature sound. Like, and there's so many other things that you watch and stuff, but you fire up any score that's happened in anything that's been put out in Star Wars, you know exactly where it came from. Yeah. You know, and some of these that, you know, like you even see the scene play out in your head, but there's just that, that synonymous sound that you get that's nowhere else. This, yeah. This is fantastic. And I got to tell you, man, I'm such a big fan of the music. I watched the episode twice, uh, once last night and once this morning, mm-hmm. and a little bit on my lunch break today. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I, just, <laughs> I just can't get enough of it. It's it's that cool. Um, I think, like, I'm kind of obsessed with it now. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like my big thing now. You know what's, uh, what really struck me is, okay, I said it's East Swedish. It's very Western-like. But, oh, you know, no it's doubt. also, it's got some, like, that Arthurian legendary kind of like the European kind of stuff, you know, like the, the knights and the dragons and stuff like yeah. he's got that vibe to him, but I'm seeing a lot of like the Japanese culture influences and stuff. And yes. that kind of helped George make star Wars what it was like. This is, there's so many things. Obi-Wan dressed through. as a samurai. Yes. Yeah. And you're talking about, I'm guessing the armorer. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, tools. like the very, um, that's so Nordic looking. Yeah, like it was. It's just this is what you think. Okay, so he sits down with the chips and stuff, and that's to me that was very uh, like samurai kind of like. Here's what I'm giving you. You make my weapons and stuff for me. But then the emblem that's cast up over top of yes. her door, and her armor, and like that sweet Viking looking visor that she's got. You know, it's all gold, yes. and it's the heavy gloves. That's so and the fur. Yes, it's just Viking era awesomeness is what that looks like it's so crazy like it's it's pulling stuff everywhere i love the individuality in them yes yeah yeah let's go ahead and just talk about that i i I was gonna kind of go down like the line but honestly the excitement is at an all-time high let's just pick this thing apart and just see where it goes okay um the mandalorian we were speculating would be like what if he's the only one left right obviously not yeah and they, they actually kind of, the way that they worded things throughout 
um, it was really interesting because it, it would say like like the Beskar steel or mm. Beskar, whatever you want to call it. Um, Belongs in the hands of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? And, and I can't remember if he said the Mandalorian or a Mandalorian. So like the way that it was written. That was the. Either, either, yeah, way, either way. Yeah. Yeah. It's still pointing. You're, you still don't know if there are any other Mandalorians. Right. And then all of a sudden he walks into the damn place. They're everywhere. I want to say that there were nine or ten others. Because I, I paused and I counted it. Yeah, there are seven adults and three children. Aside, aside from okay. the Mandalorian. And um, yeah, that was amazing. Like at that point, I was just like, oh, oh, wait, what's going on here? And what she says is like this. The excess will supply numerous foundlings. Yes. So that implies it's not just this clan, but there's more. And he said, what exactly is it? Well, he didn't say this. I'm saying this. What is a foundling? He said that he was a foundling once. And she says, yes, I know. And it's like, like, did she pick him up? It almost feels like there's, there's more of a connection there than her just being like the clan Smith. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, isn't it funny how she almost seemed kind of like in a place of power? Yes. As if like you're a tribe elder in a way. It seems that way. And he not only came in, but that was his full payment for the bounty. He gave her all the, uh, was it, what was it? Calamari? Calamari flan. Yeah. So he laid all that out for her and then slid out the Beskar steel. Yeah. And she took the steel and was like, I think, uh, you're due a pauldron. Yeah. So she makes him freaking awesome looking pauldron. So this is what we're getting. He's upgrading his armor like we thought was going to happen. This is awesome. But um, I guess as a family, we're getting all these every time she hits the hammer. And I love I love Smith work. Yeah. So this is neat. Um, But we get those flashbacks from the Clone Wars era. Yes. Yeah. She actually says that she recognizes it as being from the Great Purge. Yeah. Which is I love it. Yeah, I and as it. you see, like, the Mandalorian Besker steel with the Imperial yeah, insignia, like, this is crazy. This is this world building is so cool. So, yeah, it will sponsor many more found, foundlings, and he was he's like, good, yeah. I'm happy about that. Yeah. That's also interesting, because we learn more about this character, who seems real cutthroat, right? Like, we'll just... In the first, tw- like, ten minutes at least, yeah. Yeah, but as we learn through the rest of this episode he's really just kind of got a heart of gold really so let's go back to the beginning here we've got we start off on this ice planet yeah and um god that was awesome yeah what 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 did you uh pull away from that what was your favorite spots i would say he said you spilled his drink there's nothing he had there's no <laughs> line mando yeah as if he doesn't freaking speak Hatties. Right. So he knows exactly what's going on. There's nothing. He doesn't move. There's no words. There's no acknowledgement to this big idiot who, I guess, in that area is the main dude, whatever. You know, like the biggest badass of the, the land. The, the bully in the junkyard, yeah. man. So this guy's got him breathing down his neck. The bartender's like shaking. You can see that the bartender's upset about what's going on. But then when the Mando walks in, dude, the guy is a wreck. Yeah. Like he know he knows exactly what's happening. He's like, oh, I'm going to have to mop all this up now. Great. Uh, that to me was just, that is, that's a Western. You know, this is what grabbed me. 
And it's so, uh, it was intense. And the only voice that you hear is the bartender and the bully. That's it. Yeah. And he smashes that corn in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you slide you slide that drink across there and like you don't expect it. And then that's when the music just pops in. Right. It looked like he was just going to, I thought he slid it and he was going to drink it himself or something. Yeah. He doesn't. He just picks it up and slaps it in this guy's eyes. So yeah, these dudes were about to, um, looks like they were about to take glands out of that. The blue guy in yeah. his race is a mithril. M-Y-T-H-R-O-L. I wonder if that's a uh, play on Mithranuodo, because he's blue. (laughs) Mithranuodo. Oh, man. Tim Zahn would be so disappointed right now. Of course he would. Well, the thing, the only reason that I knew that was I looked, well, I watched with uh, closed captions. Mine were jacked up. I tried. Really? They were half on the top of the screen. I was so disappointed. What were you watching on? Because uh, there are a lot of settings for them. PlayStation. There should be caption settings. Like you can even change the font if you wanted to. Yeah, through, you through can, the PlayStation or through the Disney Plus app. Oh, it wouldn't give me. Shit. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll have to I'll we'll look. have to figure that out. And if anyone else is using uh, PlayStation app, uh, you have any thoughts on that? Let us know. Yeah, I'll play around with it. Yeah. So yeah. He basically gets saved by the Mandalorian, or at least he thinks he got saved. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then he puts down a damn... Um, puck. Yeah. Yeah. Bounty puck. Oh. Is that me? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, his... <laughs> the banter there was hilarious. Yeah, because because the Mandalorian hadn't said a word. No. In fact, he still didn't say a word the entire time uh, while they were going to their ship. Now, before they got to the ship, because the Razor's crest is way off, like out yeah. in the middle of nowhere here. And you see that damn, um, the long snouted alien. I don't remember what they're called. The one goes, yeah, that's Donald duck, but you, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's not what I was going for at uh, all, but we'll just go with it. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That, yep. Uh, and he has this freaking sweet ass flute. Yes, and he calls. He calls just like uh, Willy Wonka. Like uh, it was like it's the Green Ranger sitting there calling the damn Dragon Zord, man. I need Dragon Zord power. And the speeder pulls up with a little droid, and we hear the first of many anti-droid speak from. See, I want to know what that's about. Well, of course, I know what that's about. It's got to be about the Clone Wars, right? About the battle droids, right? He doesn't. It's got to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a little astromech droid. And he's like, no, I want something else. So then he he plays another tune, the other Green Ranger tune. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> exactly what it was. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers <laughs> is forever ingrained in my soul. But um, yeah, next along comes this real dingy, smoky, backfiring <laughs> speeder. A piece of crap. With a weirdo driving it. Yeah. Crazy goggles. And, uh, yeah. He takes him out, says, you know. Stay off the ice. Stay off the ice. Yeah. As he Good drives advice. off. <laughs> yeah, man. You got to say, like, I don't know about you, but at that point, 
the way that the Mithral was looking at the speeder going away. Oh, you knew it was happening. Compared with the music, though. But, like, the way he was still, like, looking like, I wonder if something's going to happen. And then the silence, the pow of the 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 music that also came there with was, that sea creature. It sounded like horns and stuff in that yeah. mix, too. It was, it was very uh, violent. Yes. And it was just so cool. Like, I actually, I jumped in the chair. When that happened. Yeah. And I'm watching a freaking TV show. I had it on my hi-fi system too for the, nice. the house. Yeah. So it was just, it was awesome. And how about that creature? What the hell too? is that? Is that a walrus? A walrus dragon thing. Something <laughs> that sounds like a freaking T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Yes. So have you noticed Star Wars in general, like so many dragons are getting introduced? I have noticed that. Yeah. That in like more Zillow beasts mm-hmm. and stuff through Crazy. like resistance. Yeah. That was neat. Yes. That was neat. Yeah. We'll definitely yeah. be talking about that soon, but you're absolutely right, man. They're bringing out the big beasts. Pergils. Yes. Like things just in the mall. It just so and, much bigger. And they're the all mall. touching very important yeah characters yeah you know i guess we'll just put it that way i thought that that mithril once he finally got in like in the razor's crest (laughs) or the razor crest i'm calling it razor's crest like it's razor ramon's finishing move or something (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) hey yo hey (laughs) makes a fan on his head but he was sitting there asking all the questions that we have yeah like is it true that you guys never take off your helmets? <laughs> because we want him to take that helmet off. Right. This whole thing is like the desire to know who is that slash. What are you that? Boba Fett? No, it's not. It, it can't. No. Pop. I don't know. I don't know. I was just making. We're not joke. there. Calm. You need to calm down. You it's need to calm down, guys. Calm down. It was a joke. Like, so damn. <laughs> yeah. 7 p.m. So, like, he obviously asks too many questions and tries to get away. What an idiot. He discovers the carbonite. That was so funny. That was almost like a horror movie for him. Yeah. Like, when you see, like, you go through uh, this this old house or something, he goes in the basement and there's, like, dead bodies or something. (laughs) He's like, oh, God. So, how about that, man? He's got a a carbonite freeze chamber on his freaking ship. Yes. A Clone Wars era ship. Or, Or rather... Pre-Empire yeah. ship is, is well, what they said. We'll say. He said that. Right. He said, oh, oh it's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. Which we had carbonite freezing in the Clone Wars. Yeah. But then again, it, so, could, you know, it could be pre-Clone Wars. Pam, Pam asked me about that. She's like, she said, I thought in the Empire, like, this is the first time they tested it on humans. I said, well, if you're trying to hide your identity as Anakin Skywalker, would you not say that? Obi-Wan was with you. Ahsoka was with you. They're believed to be dead. So, yeah, yeah, I'd keep that secret too. That's, That's a really a good, good question ritual. too. Yeah. Like uh, the thing about it though is, it also could be an add-on. It could be an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, it could have been something new. Yeah. So we leave the ice planet, and I was kind of bummed out. The, well, I mean, this is like the the most trivial of things to ever be like uh, upset about. But there were no names for the planets. Yeah, I know. And I was really hoping to see that. It's really interesting, though, because these planets are not what we thought they were. You know what I mean? Things that we thought were 
for instance, things that I thought was Tatooine is yes, not, no, is not Tatooine. Yeah. And it even has the same atmosphere look of it. Like when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's Tatooine. But it's not. Nope, not Tatooine. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. So how about that planet where um, he brings all of the carbonite to? It yes. kind of looked like Earth. It reminded me of Takadana almost when he Interesting. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, not as much greenery, but it definitely had the same kind of clouds. There was even like. There's the vibe. Did you even notice that there was like a hurricane system? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What's up with that? So tropical ish. <laughs> so then when you when you sat down on there, it looks as as uh, grim as yeah. as like Mimbon or something, which was weird because it looked good. Like you're coming through like the atmosphere. Like I said, it looked like Takadana to me. It reminded me of that because there's there's this landscape and then there's this little city. Yeah, but he gets on his feet and it just freaking sucks. Yeah. I so, guess that's like the bounty hunter hideout. Looks that way. Yeah, it it's an interesting little city too. Like um, this is this is obviously where the guild yeah. is the the bounty the hunters guild, I guess. Yeah, and we get to meet Grief Karga finally, Apollo Grief. Apollo Grief. <laughs> I've been waiting on that one for about a week. Be <laughs> my stupid nicknames for sure. <laughs> but um. Yeah, he's the head of the guild and he knows like he's like, Yeah, I've got I've got people that skipped bales or bail jumpers yeah. and bail jumper, smuggler. Bail jumper. Yeah. Yeah. But then he's like, Hey man, I um I got an underworld chip, but it doesn't have a chain code. Yeah. And no I punk. love the way that they're sitting here describing these things. Like learning about the chain codes. Which we don't get those. And how like I don't know if I misunderstood this or not, but like so, Four digits can help tell you like the age of somebody yep. or something. The last four digits and he's the age. Yeah. And I don't know if, yeah. it, if he was just asking for the age, but what if, yeah, the I, way I got it, the way it was presented, it was like the last, I can give you the last four digits, the age. The age. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I like, got the same thing yeah. too. I was wondering. So we're talking about, uh, when he gets to meet the Werner, her, sorry, the client, the client. That's what it was. Now, he has the last four digits of the chain code, and we learn that it's fifty years old. Yes, this thing is fifty years old, and all he all he has is the tracking fob. Right. May yeah. I also throw out there that he says that there is a cam tonno of Beskar steel, C A M T O N O cam tonno. I've never heard that one before. No, that's cool. brand new. Yeah, there were so many cool little new things to add to the world building here. So what's how big is that? How much? How much is a cam tonneau? What's a cam tonneau? Yeah, is it a metric ton in GFFA crap or what? Like, it's a metric tonneau Beskar steel. <laughs> it sounds that dude. That one little brick was enough for a, a brand new piece on your arm. Isn't that really interesting? How something so small can be so dense. Yeah. And that's that explains why it has the qualities that it does. Now that is a really important attention. Yeah. yeah, that's a really important attention to detail. That something so small could make something so resilient and so large, just by being smelted down. Yeah, that's it's insane. That's really and cool. That it's going to supply kids' armor, a yeah. lots lots of family armor. It is really interesting to see the that's kids what he's too. Getting rid of. I wonder if that's some of the founding armor that like that the green and yellow because it didn't look like the rest of his stuff. 
Isn't that interesting though? Because yeah. we had a lot of questions about why his armor was changing colors yeah. so much. Yeah, because I drew him like five times, and I thought, <laughs> you know, well, maybe this is just the wrong color. Yeah, no, it's not. It's the right. It was the right color all five times. But so cool. <laughs> Should just kept him. So whenever uh, the client says that the Beskar belongs in the hands of a Mandalorian, mm. he says that it's best to restore the natural order of things after a period of disarray. Right. So he's obviously an Imperial. Yes. We, we figured that out from the last uh, Very quickly. Yeah. trailer. What is he talking about when the he talks about order. a period of disarray? What it's, do you think? It depends on what year this is. So this is nine years after the battle of Yavin. So it's uh, five years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I guess that would be a period. Yeah. Of just at this point after Jakku, things were just a hot mess, dude. It things were you had different sects of Imperials, and we've seen this in the comics, which if you haven't read the comics, guys, you really gotta get in there. That main story's awesome. And all the side stories, the Afro stuff is great. Agreed. Um, but I'm assuming he's referring to how all the Imperial uh, commanders and stuff were taking what fleets they had and kind of going off in these crazy directions and just trying to get a foothold somewhere. And they were becoming like crime lords and stuff. It was it was incredibly weird. And in relation to the Mandalorians, too, yeah. because giving Beskar steel, which belonged to the Empire before, which was seized by the Empire. Right, it was stolen goods. And he believes that this was going to be restoring the natural order of so things. So what is the natural order in his eyes? It's very interesting, especially with him wearing that Imperial Insignia medallion. Yeah. Like, that... <sighs> Moffs didn't even wear crap like that, you know what I mean? That's something weird. Yeah. That's that's odd to me. He looks like a... Fr it looks like a freaking Olympic gold medal. It does. It, and it may have been. He's, like a, an, he's an Imperial triathlete. Yeah. In his heyday, maybe. I don't think so now. <laughs> <laughs> so, when I was watching them go to the next, or him go to the next planet, yeah, I was like, oh, it's Tatooine! Dude, it's not Tatooine. And I want to tell you why I don't think it is Tatooine. I think they would have showed the suns. Yeah. Well, despite it having a similar climate in that we meet... Nick Nolte's character, Kuil yeah. the Ugnaught, yeah, who I'm just I'm just gonna go ahead and say it, my favorite character so far. I've spoken. I have spoken. Yeah, I love that. He's so cool, Ugg man. Nolte. He is. He's he's so interesting. And you were talking about the mythology, yes, aspect of this stuff, and the way that he views the Mandalorian is what's bringing in that greater mythology. He's like, well, I've never met a Mandalorian before, I read but the I, yeah, I know all about the legends, so I'm going to test you in all these different ways, or at least interact. I'm going to hang out with you because I want to see if you're as cool as I think you are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was something that Kuil said, to get back to my previous thought, uh, where he said, people come here to live a peaceful life. People don't go to Tatooine to live a peaceful life. No. You'll find no greater hive of scum and villainy. I'm mean, finally that quote. <laughs> <laughs> My brain has been so uh, backwards today. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah, that's that tells me that it's not. 
And so I ended up looking it up later, and it actually does have a name, and it's Arvala 7. Arvala 7. So This is all Outer Rim stuff, too. So this is uh, straight out of Wikipedia, and if I mix something up, you got to understand, guys, if you're listening a little bit later, this is literally the day after Chapter day, 1 came yeah. out. So, yeah, we're going to be learning a whole lot more. It's Wednesday at Star Wars Day. And it's cold. <laughs> it is cold. <laughs> so, okay, let's talk about the Blurgs, man. Because that's the first thing he sees. Dude, that ripped that freaking Vambry's all oh, the crap. Yeah. Like, you just got a pauldron made, and now you're going to tear up your <laughs> arm piece. What are you doing? Didn't you think it was really interesting that he immediately started off? Do you think it was an accident, or do you think it was like, I, I can use fire to fight this thing all, but he got me too quick? Or do you think, like, he... The, the blur bit something and it started spewing out the fire. It looked like he tried to hit it yeah, with it. Had to be like it had a deterrent. To be intentional. Yeah. Pepper yeah. spray. Mando pepper spray. <laughs> Careful, it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Spicy. So I want to say that the reason why I got super into this uh, character of Kuil was because he reminded me a lot of Yoda. And no, guys, we're not talking about that yet. Calm, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. Spoilers. <laughs> so he reminds me of Yoda and especially like when in you go into like the Mandalorian went into his house yeah he looks really small or really big in that chair you know the Mandalorian the, yeah. yeah and then the other chair was like sat up higher it's like he's had many big guests before and we do learn a little bit more about that uh, where he says um, you know when he's actually trying to help the Mandalorian out with his finding his quarry. He's like, I know why you're here. Obviously you're a bounty hunter. And, um, he's like, I'm going to help you. I have spoken. And then he just walks away. I I love that, that personality quirk, but he's talking about how this quarry that's here, everybody's coming for it. Yeah. And in their presence, the, uh, the people that are holding this quarry, their presence has brought an endless stream of mercenaries. Yeah. And that is what has disrupted the peace. And that is why Kuwil, the Ugnaught, has been trying to help people get this quarry. So this is a so basic speaking Ugnaught. This is a what? A basic speaking Yes. Ugnaught. I love his voice so much. Yeah. 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 It even like speaking of Yoda, just, and, and I know that this is how Nick Nolte speaks now, but it just was so reminiscent of Frank Oz. In certain ways. Yeah. And aged with some wisdom, but soft enough. Yeah. And having that, but had a interesting conversational quirk about it as well. And the same as, you know, reversing the, the, the tense and stuff in a sentence, you know, like it's so cool. I just wonder, does he know what the quarry is? You know, something tells me that he does because. So where does he stand on that? This is a really interesting question. Yeah. So let's, with that in mind, let's go ahead and move on to the quarry. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you get there, you see this, um, encampment of Nikto's. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nikto's. Yeah. I was so excited, <laughs> yeah. man. Like Most, I didn't. Mostly red. I didn't say much, uh, during my my viewing of this the first time. I, I did, my, I, I was, my mouth was agape and I was just watching 
and just breathing really Childlike. heavily. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, man, I felt like a child. I did too. I really did feel like a child. And like, you know, I'm, I'm a 32 year old man who, whose bedroom is covered. Every wall is covered with action figures. And look at this box over here with Ninja. Look at that. That's the uh, Technodrome from, yeah, we'll talk about that later. We're going to play with toys later. But anyways, here's the thing. <laughs> I felt like a child. Yeah. And the only, I think it was two or three words that I spoke when I watched this. One, gonk droid. Yes. I did the same <laughs> thing. The door opened. I went, oh, gonk droid. Yeah. Pants said, what? I said, shh. <laughs> and then, he, then you hear gonk. Like, yeah. Gonk. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was great. New new gonk sounds for us and to it was sample. A, it was a new gonk, too. It yeah. Was, it had that crazy top to it. That was oh, he's so cool. Of course, oh, we're going to talk about that droid. Yeah, we got to talk about that that motherfucking gonk droid. <laughs> so, putting him to work. The other one was Nikto. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other word that I said. Um, and yeah, you've got the one green Nick Nikto that looks like uh, kind of like Clatu, the yes. one who was played yes. by Corey D. Williams. And um, but all the rest, you're right. They were red. They were they were orange. And yeah. did you think that? That we were dealing with something other than Nikto's at Dude, first? Well, because it came in kind of like hazy. I'm thinking, oh, we quays. Mm-hmm. And then it cleared up. I went, oh, no, those are Nikto's. Yeah. What is this? And especially you with know, the new. they're not pirates. It's really cool because we got the new looks of, or the different possibilities of looks from the Resistance cartoon. With the blue one? Yeah, with that other Nikto. Yes. And, and the the... It's not often that you see these Nikdos without their a helmet piece yeah, of something. Uh, something like with Niku or with Klaatu. And yeah, a lot of these didn't have their helmets and it was just a unique look, man. I'm really glad that we got a lot more Nikdos. I the red ones just look so menacing. Yeah. They're neat. Like the all the horns and stuff and the uh the, like the tusks thing that they've got coming out of their chin. I I love it and the two on the head. There's very minimal conversation during this too. There's yeah, it, there was a lot going on. Like we said, with uh, very little being said on the show, there's very little being said on the couch watching it for sure. So <laughs> while the Mandalorian is taking in this scene, he sees something. Yes, this freaking IG droid. <laughs> so IG Eleven makes his debut. Yeah, and his movements are just comical. Like the hip spinning stuff yeah. and like the leg kicks and the eye bits and his hands, his arms reflecting in such weird angles. Like it's just, he's all over the place. He's so freaking cool though. Yes. Like being able to see a bounty droid sit there and do the things that it does like that and not just having to, you know, live with your IG-88 stuff in either Shadows of the Empire video game or in like um, comics. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I got and you don't know that they move that way because yeah. it's just a steal. So I was very appreciative of that. Yes. His voice was very funny. Everything that he freaking said was funny. It was like, hilarious. These droids are just out of control. This this going back with <laughs> initiating self-destruct protocol. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't do that. It reminded me of like Kaz and Niku. Yeah. Like that kind of <laughs> weird back and forth banner. So yeah, they, they end up just like he, well, first off IG 11 just mows the place down. They, yes. Like they keep coming out and then <laughs> freaking Mando comes out and he <laughs> immediately shoots him. And I'm saying, I'm saying IG 11 shoots Mando. Yeah. And he's like, hold on. I'm with the guild. 
And uh, I didn't know there was anybody else assigned to this mission. Yeah. Now, before we go on, don't you think that that is Weird. pretty remarkable? Because they're both in the same guild. Yep. Why would there be two members of the guild that think they're exclusively there? What does that tell you? Somebody else. Right. Yep. So the client has hired Mandalorian. Yep. Someone else hired IG-11. Yep. Is what I'm guessing. I think so too. Right. Because he said termination, proof of termination will also be acceptable. We understand that bounty hunting is a difficult profession. And IG-11 said something different, didn't yes. he? He said strict orders were to terminate on site. Good catch. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So let's. It sounds like Werner Herzog's character, the client, doesn't want anybody else's hands on it. Yeah. So he said, if you can't get it, kill it. Exactly. But Same IG- as IG-11. <laughs> like if. Yeah. Wait, but, and maybe that's why he had all the assassinate or not the assassination, but the uh, self-destruct sequences. Yeah. Because you'd be able to track that back. Right. Who to- sent him out via the guild? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that. It's crazy. So this show's so cool, the man. Plot thickens. It thickens, <laughs> and it gives me the dickens, buddy. So the quarry. I've put this on off for far too long. Let's get inside of that door. What do we see, Josh? One extra Nikto getting shot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, an egg, like cat basket thing, little canister. Yes. And he opens it up, and we don't get to see from the Mando's point of view. We get the back camera looking at the Mando and get to see kind of like his weird. pillow and green ears. Yes. And that's where my third word, my third sound came out. (gasps) And I held my breath. Yep. Until the camera panned back around. And what did we see, man? 50-year-old baby Yoda species. Dude, I lost my shit. Oh, it's so cute. I said, shut up. You don't understand what this means. This is huge. I was losing it. I lost it. I'm on like, I know that nobody can see this except for you, but this is why. Oh, Josh, put your clothes back on. Why are you taking your shorts off? Stop it. (laughs) Impress. No, (laughs) dude, I am like literally just hanging off the edge of my seat at this point. Man, um, it was incredible. And I have been thinking about it all freaking day long. Uh, why? How? What? And it. <laughs> okay, so was this basket thing, this capsule moves. And it looks like it is kind of floating out away from the crap that it was sitting on top of. Is that part of the capsule's mechanism? Or is or, that Baby Yoda? Well, it's not. Species thing. Okay, I got you. you we'll uh, call him Green Baby. So let's assume that Yoda's species, we only know of Yoda. We know and of Yaddle. Yaddle. And this little guy, yeah. age 50. Per canon. Those are, that's three. Yeah. And I think you're getting at, is it force sensitive? Yeah. Very interesting. And Very strong in the force. Good enough to have the other two that we've seen on the Jedi Council. Right. And somebody was talking about Master Yoda in one of the comics. And I don't remember if it was Age of Res... Uh, what was it called before? Republic? 
right? That'd be the, yeah. Yeah. But um, through one of these, they, one of the Jedi says that Yoda's species were very strong in the force. And it might've yeah. been Yoda. I thought, I don't know. Um, but that has been said in, in one of these canon materials. So I have to go back and look through it. And everything that we've seen right. has, has proven that as well. Yes. Yeah. So this, um, this little thing at the end where it pans out to like the back end of the room and you see IG on the floor and the Mando reaching over and pointing out a finger and they're, they're doing this little ET moment. Yeah. Is it connecting with him? I know it's 50 years old and it looks like a baby, but as IG 11 says, he's like uh species age at different rates. Yeah. Yeah. But how cognate is this thing? Very interesting question. Yeah. This is all really good questions, man. You have that question. You have the question of what are we going to find out once we dissect IG-11? Yeah. He said it. IG-11 said it could possibly live a thousand years. It's a shame we won't be able to find out. Oh, God. Now, Josh, I got to tell you something, man. I made another connection on this today. Uh huh. Because like I said, I've been thinking about it all day. And you asked when this series started or like when it took place. And I said, nine years after the battle of Yavin. Uh The reason I know that is because I've been thinking about what else happened the year. I was like, what year was baby? Let's just call the baby Yoda species. What year was he born? So if this is nine years after the battle of Yavin, he would be born 41 years before the battle of Yavin. Does that mean anything to you? Because I actually had to look it up. And, le- and let me tell you. So 41 years before the Battle of Yavin. How old was Anakin? It was the, the year that Anakin was born. That's what I was. Yeah. So we encountered the Virgins in the Force the same year that this little baby was born. So it's got to be connected. <laughs> how um we we've seen three. In canon period, we've seen three in canon. Yoda has been on the council since he was 200 years old or right before, right? Like it was somewhere. I know that's that's the number that's been thrown up. And I guess that makes sense because if he was 50, he was a damn baby size thing. So 200, he's probably in his adolescence. Yaddle equally as long. She, most of her life. If I remember correctly, she was in her 400s. Yes. So she'd been on there for a very long time also. What is a reproductive rate? For their species. We don't see a lot of them. And do they asexually reproduce? I think that they must or else Something. they are created Using in the, the same force. way. Yeah, as Anakin was. I think that that's very interesting to think about. And I think it's going to take more than one day on okay. the assembly line. To, to think. <laughs> but what a connection, man. What a connection. For the like the last, what, minute of the entire show? And look who who uh, did this episode, yeah, Dave Filoni. That's that's another thing. And this is this is yeah, I, it, it's got to mean something. It has man. to. It has to. George is number one, and George had a lot to do with this series. There was input, and then Dave is the one that directs it and kind of gets this thing going. Didn't he write some of it too? As an introduction, it's awesome. Yeah, and then this. This end, I think the whole thing with Dave being on this one was probably just this last minute. You know what I mean? 
it, it feels just like a Dave Filoni production, of course, with the storytelling. Yeah. But I think the whole point of him being on it was this this last this ending of this episode. Were you expecting anything like that? Not at all. No, me not either. at all, dude. It blew my freaking mind on this one. Yeah, I expected it. Another baby Mando or something. You know what I mean? It, yeah. Just something. If the music knocked me out of my yeah. out of my shoes, this knocked the shoes right back in my freaking face, man. Like I was, yeah, <laughs> agreed, completely <laughs> blown away. And I don't think like I'm gonna be able to stop thinking about it until we get the next episode this coming Friday. And my question to you is, do you think that they're going to be in any sort of a hurry to answer any questions? No, they're not because it's probably going to be something completely unrelated. And for it to be such a short, like it's, was it three days apart? Right. It's Friday. Yeah. So Tuesday to Friday. Yeah. I think we're going to have to introduce uh, Cara Dune or Cara Dune or yeah. however they want to pronounce it. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, I think that is going to happen. I, th- I think it'll probably clean up some of what IG was doing because we see a lot of the episode, the, uh, the series art is IG 11, the Mando and Cara Dune all together. Like they're a trio. Yeah. And there's been different clips of different times that we didn't see in this episode where they're working together. Yeah. So something is going on. Yes, and and what we need to also find out is what does the client want to do with a baby Yoda species and born he, on the same day as freaking Darth Vader or had, same year? <laughs> and he has he has a doctor with him, Doctor Pershing, that is losing his freaking mind over this. Like he's so excited, he almost got shot. Yeah, and, and like freaking out at the possibility of this thing might be killed. So you played. Uh, I just want to make it one connection. You played Battlefront. Two's campaign, right? Yeah. So, do you remember um, Paldora? Yeah. Did that doctor not look like Paldora? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if? So, you've got those questions that we want answered. Yep. My next question is, is IG-11 destroyed for good? Did he get shot in his memory core? I don't think so. So, that's interesting. He powered down. Yeah, we'll have yeah, to figure went. out exactly... If we're going to see him anymore, I'm sure we will. I, I hope so. we do. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't, though. Because like six he, episodes, he just got, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why would they sign Taika Waititi to do one episode? Now, know? I don't understand the logistics of any of this, of why, yeah. the who, what, and the where. But for the sake of the story, I would be satisfied either way. So uh, IG-88 gets blasted a lot uh, in that one little comic of IG-88 special. Yeah. He lost his head. So they thought he was mm-hmm. gone, but he was able to rebuild himself. So right. maybe that same protocol exists in this IG unit also. What surprised me? You shot me. You yeah. shot me I in the arm. I would love that. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that happen. Any other final thoughts about the Mandalorian? Hopes, questions, final opinions? I just want to know more about this little green baby. Yeah. I want to know more about the Mandalorians, this little green baby, and I want I want Kuwil to be mysteriously amazing in every single episode. I am so hooked on this show that I want to collect everything that they create. Um that was one thing I forgot to say. Yeah. I did manage to get my hands on the Mandalorian Black series. Thank yeah. you to my brother. 
Mike at Comics Two Games in Florence, Kentucky. And uh, he's got to get out of that place. Not Comics Two Games. You got to get in there. But the Mandalorian has got to get out of that place now. He just shot. Oh, IG-11. the encampment. Yeah, yeah, but everyone else is dead. So literally, I, everyone's dead. Right. But you need a blurg to get there, right? Yeah. To traverse this planet, or it's impossible. So he's got to get back with Ugnolty. So I think that's probably what we're going to see next. Yeah. That just hit me. That'll probably be their, their rekindling. I think one final interesting quirk about this presentation as the live action series is the fact that they're calling each episode a chapter. Yes. Now that is as interesting as calling a movie an episode. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. I think that that's intentional. Because a reason. lot has happened between each episode. Yeah. In the movies. I think I'm so. just talking about the naming aspect. Yeah. Of it. He's, he's being interesting and weird and, and, and showing influences of serials. So the, uh, the signet, has yet to be revealed is what the blacksmith asked him. Yeah. You know, have you, have you, uh, put on your signet yet? And he's no soon. She says, yeah. So what clan is he part of? Yeah. That's, that's gotta be answered soon. Such a great question. So much, so much stuff. And you know what there, and now that I'm just thinking about it, there are so many other things in this episode that we did not even talk about. No, and I know we're going to be talking about it more and more because we'll revisit. Frankly, I'm going to watch this every single day until Friday. Until Friday, <laughs> in which case I'm going to start doing it over and over again. And I can't get wait. two of them. Yeah, this is great stuff, man. Well, we've had enough time on this episode today, and we hope that you guys have enjoyed um, everything from the conversation with Dominic Pace. Make sure that you go and look him up at Dominic P. Pace on Twitter. And also remember to give Eden a shout out and let her yep. know that she's doing really good stuff every single day. Every word of encouragement for NaNoWriMo is greatly appreciated for all the participants. That's at Eden Jean Gray on Twitter. But with those sort of things, you know what time it is, Josh? I sure do. It's time for The Showbiz. Really? How you like that? That's the other surprise, wasn't it? Yeah. I like this. We got some new music today. So, yes, the show biz. You know, we strive to keep this a super interactive show. So here are all the different ways that you can interact with us. Both Josh and I can be reached on the podcast, Twitter, and Instagram. That's at JTComLink on Twitter and at JamTransmissions on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page under the same name. And if blogs are your thing, you can find yours, (laughs) ours, easily. (laughs) At jamtransmissions.wordpress.com. Ever growing with articles from myself, Josh, and Eden, and you can follow our personal endeavors as well. Now, Josh, where can people follow your artwork <laughs> and direct commission requests? Because you've been knocking some shit out the park lately, man. Oh, appreciate it, man. Uh, JDRow812 is on Instagram. J- uh, JoshuaRow24 is on Twitter. I just started a uh, very meaningful blog today, and I'll have that posted up pretty soon. Uh, my journey through Star Wars uh, as a person, as a human. In the ways that it's Oh, yeah. You. Man, My growth. Honestly, when you were telling me about it, I was super excited. About oh, it. I can't wait. What so, about your uh, personal information, man? I'm just at PeaceKey2 on Twitter. And, you know, Tag that's, away. I'm, I'm a fairly private person, but I, like, I'm like Jeff. 
this place is my personal safe space to be myself. So if you want to join in on all that and you want to hear your voicemails and emails on the show, you got to get them sent in by Monday nights to comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K at jamtransmissions.com. And that, ladies and droids, is the showbiz. I, I love that music. Yeah. That's just, I mean. Do you recognize it? Which part was this? Is that the end theme? This is from Clone Wars, the motion picture. Whenever they go uh, to that planet, they had the Baomar Monastery on that little hut yeah. vacation yeah. planet. Yeah. So I was thinking it was closer to the end. Like the, like it's not the credits part, but it was later. It is, it is, it is pretty late in the, it's the movie late. though. It's about three quarters of the way through. It's the purpley planet. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, I use that for the art. Yeah. I think, yeah. I got to say, man, that, that song really just struck me the first time I heard that. I was like, oh man, Kevin Kiner, be still my heart, Kill buddy. It. Yeah. So yeah, Kill all it. these all these new composers that are making music for Star Wars are just absolutely blowing me away. Once again, and a golden age, buddy. nothing like John Williams is what I love about it. It's their own thing. But it also pulls it's, it back yes. in. Yes. Like you have the use of the motifs with that, that, that flute for this Mandalorian theme. Like he has a motif that pops up throughout that. And let me tell you guys, I don't know if you know this because I found this out just towards, uh, in my last break at work, they are releasing a digital album for every chapter. What? So that's awesome. Ludwig Gorenson. And it comes out on the day that it comes out. So for in in this, uh, was $8 and 99 cents chapter one's music, 25 minutes of music, Throughout the entire episode. Oh wow! Yeah, eight ninety nine, and uh, the next one's coming out on Friday. And with as obsessed as I am about this, because I want to dissect this, I want to yeah. understand exactly how this is being made. Because I'm going to add it to the repertoire. <laughs> Don't count me out. <laughs> so yeah, that's it, man. This is a really fun episode, and I cannot wait to talk about the next episode. That Tuesday. little green baby. Yeah, remember, get that comlink chatter in by Monday. We want to know what you thought about The Mandalorian. We want to know what you guys are also thinking about Resistance Reborn because we are going to be recording with our special guest on November the 23rd. Remember, just to, just get those in at any time and we will separate them. We won't, two we won't Saturdays mix that away. shit up. Yeah, two Saturdays away. Yep. So with that, we're going to close this episode out. We hope you guys have had a wonderful Star Wars day. No matter how bad your, your day has been, just remember that whenever you can hang out with us, it's Star Wars Day, and we hang out with you, and we feel better, too. So, any final thoughts, Josh? No, I couldn't have said it better myself. You got it, buddy. In that case, may the Force be with you. And with all of you, always, since she's not here. Live action! Kentucky born, snapping turtles be forewarned, he ain't afraid of y'all like most humans. Well, he swims in the moss and digs in the mud, some say his veins pump turtle blood, live action, the real deal. Turtle man is a man of the great outdoors, digging up turtle right off of the floors of the pond they're living in, out in the country. Turtle man is a man, everybody knows by his moving and yelling in his videos, and they all think he's crazy, but 
Times got plenty of scars from the vice grip snap of them turtles jaws and everybody knows they never let go when you make love oh yeah do you look in the mirror who do you think of does it look like me mm-hmm. do you tell lies and say that it's forever Sometimes, do you think twice, <laughs> or just touch and see? Ooh, babe, I don't want to touch you too much, baby. Boom, boom, boom. Making love to you might drive me crazy. <laughs> love, babe, love, please. I gotta tell you something. I gotta <laughs> yeah. tell you this is this is this is true. I fucking hate Def Leppard, <laughs> but you sing it so well. 